What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Mo back with another episode of Up in Flames. I have a very special guest today. I got my guy. We've had a couple conversations through the Clubhouse app. We've talked hoops. I respect his opinion. I got my guy, Rob Shaw from the Shaw's Law Podcast. Rob, how you doing today? What's good, Mo? I am happy to be here. Yeah, 100%. You know, like I said, I always appreciate my guests. I appreciate your time. So before we get into what we want to talk about, what's going on in the NBA world today, I'm going to give you the floor. Just tell us about your podcast. Tell us some of the things you do and really how you got into the podcast game. All right. So my podcast is the Shaw's Law Podcast. I also uh, run a podcast for theplaygrounder.com. It's an NBA website that I write for. Uh, by Matt, It's Matt Esposito's Love Child. And it's a really fly website. You guys need to check that out. Uh, the podcast I host there is the Playgrounder NBA Trade Podcast, where you make up fake trades and we just talk through them and we have a good time. My podcast is basketball and culture. Like off mic, Mo and I were talking about how like it's not just basketball because you can get basketball opinions everywhere. I'm selling you Rob Shaw the pod god harry potter like that's who i am so i talk to you about music tv shows video games but first and foremost i love hoops and i just i just watched a lot of whack takes go out there like i listened to pods and i was like damn a million people are listening to him talk this nonsense man hold up let me get these takes off i i got stuff to say and I'm watching just like uh, person X at ESPN. So my opinion is just as valid. And that's sort of how I got into the space. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the same thing was, you know, for me, I'm glad you, you throw an emphasis on Harry Potter. Cause people don't know I'm a huge Harry Potter fan too. I've watched all the movies. I've read all the books. I watch a movie any day of the week when they do the, you know, on ABC, they, they do Harry, Harry Potter, Potter all day. Weekend? Yeah. Oh, I, I watch man. it. I watch it all, bro. So, but I'm glad you said that about, you know, we kind of listened to, we were grew up watching ESPN and Fox Sports, and we listened to some of these guys, and we kind of were developing our mentality, developing our opinions based on some of the things these guys were saying. But then now it's starting to be like, guys are making a platform off of just saying outrageous stuff. But people love it because it's controversial. So that was kind of one of those, I love talking sports. I've been like a stat geek growing up my whole life. So, like, when it comes to sports, I'm a sports nerd. And I felt like I argue with somebody on sports all day long. Why not go ahead and try and create a platform, put it out there, let people hear my opinion. And to be honest, it's been the best thing I've done because I've been able to have while well, I've linked with you, you know, through the Clubhouse app. I was just able to meet so many people, interact with so many people on Twitter, get so many different opinions. So it's like, bro, I could stay busy all day, even on the day staying in the house just conversating and meeting new people, um, getting new connections, and, and just talking with guys who utterly enjoy everything that I do with just as much passion, if not more. Like when I thought I love football and basketball and love talking it, there's guys who genuinely love it more than I do, and I do love that. It's like I got around guys who have the same passion as me, same vision, same mentality, so it's definitely been great. Yeah, that what you explained is how I felt when I uh, played Juco basketball. Like, I felt like I had never met dudes who, like, at, eat, sleep, and basketball like me till I got around my teammates, and I was like, oh, these dudes is just like me. 
And yeah. that's sort of how I feel in this podcast space too. Like a lot of the guys who are up and coming, like you and Chris and K Dot, like a lot of the dudes I met through Clubhouse, particularly um black up and coming voices, mm-hmm. like we all sort of move in a similar way or process the game, maybe not the same, but it's mm-hmm. important to all of us. And it's like, damn, there are people out there who feel and think sort of similar to I how I do. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, speaking of, you, you're gonna be listening to two guys who don't have hot takes. We're gonna talk about Blake Griffin to the Nets. That's the first thing I want to get into. So, as we all know, the Nets are a loaded roster. They have one of the best big threes assembled, if not the best big three I've ever seen assembled. And they didn't feel that was enough. Um, Blake Griffin's contract got bought out. They added Blake Griffin. What was your initial thoughts the minute that it was announced that Blake Griffin was going to Brooklyn? My initial thoughts were, as somebody who really wants to see like Harden win a ring, I hope Blake Griffin has been playing possum a little bit. Mm-hmm. And my initial thoughts were, I don't think he super moves the needle, just because the things he adds are things that the Nets have in spades. Like, Blake is an elite playmaker from the four. The problem Mm -hmm. is you have James Harden, who might be the best playmaker in the league. You have Kyrie, another elite playmaker. You have Kevin Durant. I don't know if he's an elite playmaker, but he's above average. So playmaking's not really what they need. But every time I think about the best-case scenario for Blake with the Nets, I think about one person and one person only, Nicholas Batum. Mm-hmm. I watched that dude look dead in Charlotte last season, like just unconcerned with anything that was happening basketball wise or otherwise. Mm-hmm. He got with the Clippers, looked around and said, wait, that's Kawhi Leonard. That's Paul George. Is that Serge Ibaka? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, nah, no. Nah, I can hoop a little bit now. And it's not like he's setting the world on fire, but he went from three points last year to nine he's played their most crunch time minutes of anybody he plays 30 minutes a game and he's been serviceable and that is somebody that looked far far worse than Blake Griffin did so if some of that was Blake playing possum I do think the Nets got a steal yeah I agree and I like the part you you kind of gave the perfect person but to him like you said it was almost like off the wall. You looked at the Clippers when they added him, and my initial thought, okay, so what? They added Batum, so what? Um, I'm a huge LeBron fan, first off. I love my team is Miami Heat, but I am a huge LeBron fan. So I always look at moves and how it's going to affect LeBron winning another championship. And Batum didn't move the needle much for me with the Clippers at all. I still think they have to prove themselves. But then to see him come out and play, is like, okay, he revamped his 3 and D you know, that's kind of what he's known for is his 3 and D, and he revamped that. He plays great defense. He's a great defender. You look at the length of the Clippers. So I'm, I'm kind of expecting – I said the same thing that you said about Blake Griffin is I think he just – you've seen it from players before. They're just not happy, so they don't give it their all. You even look at Harden. Harden came out, didn't, wasn't happy in Houston, played the first couple games – Harden was going crazy, almost like to make a statement to raise his value or just get him out of there. But then it was like his last two to three games, it just seemed like Harden wasn't giving the same effort. Not to say that he quit on his team, but he knew he wasn't happy. He just didn't want to be there. He wasn't giving the same effort. But like you said, we know who James Harden is 
regardless of a bad stretch, two to three, four games. We know James Harden is. I think Blake Griffin to the Nets makes them the Eastern Conference favorite a little more than if you already had them as their favorite. I think the only team that the Nets are really concerned about is the Lakers, in a sense. And I've discussed this on somebody else podcasting. I think everybody who has a chance of winning a championship looks at LeBron and AD and the Lakers and knows that I could go through all these teams, but ultimately it looks like to win a championship, I'm going to have to go through the Lakers. Uh, whether it's in the Western Conference, obviously I feel like you're going to have to beat the Lakers to get there. And if it's the Eastern Conference, I feel like you're going to see the Lakers in the finals to win the championship. So I think Blake Griffin is going to come back. I think he's going to have a little bit. You know, he's what, 13 points, five rebounds a game. Yeah. That doesn't scare you in a stat sheet. When you add that kind of guy, you're like, okay, it's just another role player. But when he's the fourth, maybe even fifth option, when you look at Joe Harris also, he's going to be the fourth or fifth option. I think Blake could flourish. And like you said, he's playing. He hasn't played alongside a playmaker since his Clippers days with Chris Paul. And it might be even better when you talk about, as of right now, James Harden and Kyrie Irving. You got two guys that can get you the ball and are scoring almost 30 points a game apiece. So do you think do you think the Lakers or Philly, because I think those are the two teams that are that have the biggest threat to the Nets winning the championship. Do you think they looked at that move and felt like they need to improve? I think another big body, uh, particularly for Joel Embiid, is important. Like now you have Claxton. DeAndre Jordan and Blake that's 18 fouls and you're going to need all of those because Joel Embiid who did recent who got hurt last night but he's been on another level and Philly is the team out east that should scare the Nets like they're their biggest threat just based off of you don't have anybody who can do anything with Joel Embiid and then they have two very very good wing defenders for two of your three guys like you have ben simmons who might be the best perimeter player uh, perimeter defender in the league and then you have matisse Thybul, who is not who's a very good young defender not many teams can say we have a guy that the nets can't guard and two guys who who match up as well with their perimeter guys yeah 100 percent so, you know, with Blake Griffin going to the Nets, obviously within the next two weeks, the trade deadline is coming up. The buyout market is looking like it could be a loaded buyout market or uh, players available for trade just off of seeing some names that have surfaced. So I want to get into there's a lot of names. Uh, I'm, I don't want to go into all of them, but who do you think on the trade market? I'll start with the Marcus Aldridge. He's on the trade market, possibly could get bought out. Where do you think he will land? And if you think that's where he will land, do you think that's the best fit? Like, where do you think Aldridge will land? And what do you think is the best fit for LaMarcus Aldridge? Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, there's a couple fun places for him. Um, so how you're a LeBron fan, mm -hmm. I tend to think of things through certain player lenses. So like how you look through the LeBron lens, mm -hmm. um, James Harden is a big one for me. Another big one is Devin Booker. Mm -hmm. 
So Aldridge in Phoenix sort of piques my interest. I just think they need another guy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like you have the two guards and then Mikhail Bridges has been amazing, but like another consistent score might be vital, especially on a roster that the bulk of it has no playoff experience. Like you have Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, and I'm sure Dario Saric has a little playoff experience. Mm-hmm. But like other than that, the rotation of Booker, Bridges, Aiden, uh, Jalen Smith, Cam Johnson, Cam Payne. None of those guys have played in the playoffs. So a mm-hmm. proven playoff commodity may be helpful for them. So that's one place I'd love to see LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've seen a lot of people have kind of said that kind of link LaMarcus Aldridge to Phoenix or at least link Phoenix to LaMarcus Aldridge as far as they're they're going to pursue him. They're kind of interested. Uh, what do you think about a Boston fit for LaMarcus Aldridge? Because I think Boston is kind of missing a big. I get it. I know LaMarcus Aldridge isn't the betting in the paint big man, but I just look at what he could bring when you have Kimball Walker. He, he stretched his game out. He's always had a great mid-range game. So he stretched his game out. He could shoot the three. I think he's at about 33, 34% this year from the three-point line. What do you think about his fit in Boston? Do you think that's a fit, and do you think that's a player they should be interested in? I think you always go for more talent. Boston, to me, needs a a, a bruiser type of big. Like, mm-hmm. if Aldridge was more in the rim protection mold, I'd, I'd like him more for Boston because, like, it's Kemba, it's Tatum, it's Brown, like, it, even Marcus Smart. There's a lot of shots from the perimeter. I don't know that they need somebody else who's offensive-centric. I think they need – I think if JaVale McGee becomes available, mm-hmm. he should be very high on their list as long as they're – as long as they believe in their infrastructure as a team. Like, if you think, hey, McGee's mature and we have the infrastructure to make sure that he's not a goofball – then he's a very nice name for them. Yeah, and bringing up JaVale McGee, he's now an NBA champion. You know, I don't know. I can't necessarily say he has that championship mentality. But nah, he got two of them. Yeah, he got two. So you would think that goofball stuff is, is done and over with. He won one with the Warriors, won one with the Lakers. He's a champion. Like, winning one time riding the coattail is, is like the one with the Warriors. I'm not going to say he rode the coattail. He was a contributor. But, you know what I mean? Like, it was just one of those, yeah, any guy like Vail McGee could get one. But then to go and be a contributor for the Lakers, now, granted, late in the playoffs, they kind of started taking him. He, he started getting less and less minutes. But in their run in the regular season and in the first round of the playoffs, he was a big contributor. He's a two-time champion. So I think the goofball stuff would be gone. You look at he, – he's had some really good games in Cleveland. Um, nothing eye-popping to think JaVale McGee is now a star. But like you said, they don't need a score. They don't need a guy who needs the ball in his hands. They need a rebounder and a rim protector. And I think JaVale McGee brings just that. So I do think most of the goofball stuff is gone. But I want to caveat where he won those two rings. You said the Warriors. That's an elite infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And then you said the Lakers. But he didn't really win one with the Lakers or at least not the Lakers as an organization. He won one with the 31st franchise. 
He won one with LeBron James. LeBron has more finals appearances than a busload of NBA franchises. And he's shown that it doesn't matter what city he's in, Cleveland, LA, Miami, he can get the best out of players that other teams have been like, yo, the talent is here, but the maturity level isn't. Deion Waiters, yo, come mm -hmm. on, under the wing, son, let's get you a ring. Yo, JR, under the wing, my guy, let, let's get you a couple rings. Dwight Howard, first ball ballot Hall of Famer. They were passing him around like a blunt. He got with LeBron. Yo, let's get you a ring, my guy. Same thing with JaVale McGee. Yo, you got one with Steph. Now come win a ring with the King. So I do think he's matured, but also winning one with the Warriors infrastructure and LeBron James doesn't 100% prove it because it's really, really difficult for somebody to do goofball stuff with LeBron. Like, what do we have? We have J.R. Smith throwing soup at uh, Damon Jones, and then, like, that's it. Like, dudes don't do that with Bron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you made a great point. And like I said, like, that's why I mentioned, like, not riding the coattail of, like, the Golden State Warriors, but you look at that team, and it was, like, anybody outside of who Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond was just – it almost just a guy. Like, in a sense, you was just a guy on the Warriors. You were coming along for the ride. We knew they were going to win championships. The minute they got Kevin Durant, it almost solidified that the NBA might be over. They might wreck the NBA. And that's exactly what they did. Barring injury, they probably would have three rings together after getting Kevin Durant. I believe so. Uh, you know, he wasn't healthy. Obviously, that made a difference. Comes back, tries to play, gets injured. So another guy, I think the biggest name on the buyout or trade market is Andre Drummond. There's going to be a lot of teams, a lot of finals contending teams and teams that are right there that are going to go after Andre Drummond. Who is, who, who is the best fit for Andre Drummond before you think where he'll go? Where does he fit the most as far as teams that are right there in contention and could go get Andre Drummond? I think you brought up the team for him. I think he's a better fit in Boston than uh, Aldridge is. Mm -hmm. What about Miami? I mean, Miami's cool. I think Miami's best lineup has Bam at center. Okay, that was because I think Bam is a better four. And the reason why I say that, you know, like I said, I'm a big Heat fan. But I watch Bam at center – and, like, yes, we, we kind of end up small with Bam at center. You look at the rest of the lineup, and it's Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and Jimmy Butler on the floor, or Dragic on the floor. So I think he could make his, be a playmaker at the four, kind of like he's not Anthony Davis. But with the ball in his hands, he can pass. He's not Jokic with, with the passing ability, but he can make plays. He can score. He can stretch the floor and shoot a little bit. He's not really a great three-point shooter by any means, but he has a good enough mid-range that he stretched the floor. I think Miami, I feel like that's the missing piece is either a big play. Like, I feel like they're one player away. I would say Bradley Bill would be the answer just because I really feel like they're a star away from actually winning a title. So but he's not available at, what do you as give of up right for now. Beal? What are you willing to give up for Beal? Anybody not named Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo or Goran Dragic. I love Drogic. I would not give up Drogic for Bradley Beal. But if if 
I could call the Wizards, or if the Wizards called me and said, hey, we'll give you Bill, you tell me the package, and if we agree, I would give up none, Hero, Robinson, and some first-round picks. And I don't know I don't know how many – we don't have a lot of interesting players. That's kind of the problem with Miami is outside Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio, everybody loves Tyler Hero. And it, outside of that, though, Duncan Robinson could contribute. I love him for Miami. But a lot of these guys, they leave Miami and they like – their game fit the culture. You know, Miami has one of the greatest cultures in the NBA as far as an organization. But a lot of these guys leave Miami. They don't be great somewhere else. I'm not sure Tyler Hero would be Tyler Hero somewhere else. As good as he is, I don't know if he'd be on held on the pedestal that he's held on to right now. You know, with being in the finals, obviously Jimmy Butler comes. He was a perfect fit for the culture. I loved when Jimmy Butler, we added Jimmy Butler. I knew, like, this is the perfect guy for Miami. Like, his mentality, his play style, and how he carries himself belongs in Miami. It was a match made in heaven. I didn't expect the success that we had in year one. Didn't expect the finals appearance. With the Heat, I kind of salute that to the bubble. Their game, their mentality, their type of players, the scrappy guys who are just going to go out there, play hard, and can play with anybody, fit the bubble style of basketball. Because it almost turned it, no fans, no traveling. The Heat, you know, obviously we're a bad road team. But there was no traveling. We stay here. We play every other night. And it's just about bringing the dog out of you. I think that benefited Miami. But when I say that, I don't want to take away from LeBron winning the championship because before the bubble and during the bubble, I had LeBron and the Lakers winning the championship. But what would you what would you give up for Bradley Beal now that we're on the topic before we move up to somebody else? If you're a Miami Heat, what's too much for Bradley Beal? Okay, so there's two untouchable dudes. It's Bam and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Everything else is on the table. And I think the package has to start with Hero, Precious, and Duncan Robinson. I think that's the bare minimum. And honestly, they should have – you should have James Harden on your team right now. You guys should have James Harden. <laughs> I agree, bro, but it was – this notion from Miami that, like, Tyler Hero deserves to be untouchable, it, I heard, like, from, from what came out, and I know you heard the same thing, it was because they didn't want to give up Tyler Hero. Like, whatever package they agreed on was like, I, I will give you every. I'm not giving up Tyler Hero. Like, that became where the talks went toxic and went the other way and was like, no, okay, if we don't get Hero, we're not giving you Harden. I don't get – I understand – to me, Tyler Hero is a social media GOAT. Like, he put on a show, put on a couple games, went viral. And I don't like to be – I could bring this up, you know, with – he's white. Oh, thank God you said he's it. He's white. Because it's like, your show, and I didn't want to throw it out there. But I was like, man, the answer is that he's white. Yeah, and it's, it's not to be controversial. But everybody who watches basketball knows, and everybody who listens to my show understands that he's white. That's the thing is, it's such the NBA, all the stars, all the superstars outside of what Luca right now, you know, you've had Dirk. So you've had like your white guy, but those are overseas. Those are true. Like European guys. Tyler Hero's white. He has some swagger. You know, he's a Instagram model looking basketball player in a sense. He's, he, you know, he's got some swagger about himself. He's got some style and he can play ball good. He's a good basketball player. So that elevates 
to try and basically bring a white guy relevant, not to be racist. It's just that's the fact. Like, that's the fact. If Tyler Hero was black, played the way he played, I don't think he would be this untouchable baby goat type of guy. But he's a social. he became a social media sensation last year. Really only had, what, one, maybe two good games out of the six in the finals. But that one game was like, he's the new baby goat. Tyler Hero was the new thing. So I am upset with Miami not having James Harden. I wish Bradley Bill was available so maybe we could write what we did wrong and turn around and realize that. Because that's what I thought. I felt like if we had Harden, we were a star player away from ultimately going back to the finals and possibly winning. I felt like Miami, after grabbing Jimmy Butler, watching them play last year, I was like, we're still one one guy, one star, one true takeover player that I don't think Jimmy Butler is. As consistent as he is, I just don't think he's going to take over the game. He's not necessarily the guy that's going to get me a championship with the ball in his hands in the last two minutes on a night-to-night basis. But he can also still be your best player or your mm-hmm. most important guy without needing the ball in his hands. Granted, I'm a big Kentucky fan, and I like Tyler Hero. You know who the untouchable guy should have, like, mind you, you give up whatever you can to get Harden, a top five player in the league, mm-hmm. when you have championship aspirations. But you know who should have been the untouchable one? Duncan Robinson. Oh, okay. I, was, I thought she was going to go Kendrick Nunn. No, no. Send Nunn packing. Nunn should be in Houston. <laughs> he should be in Houston, Atlanta, Vegas by now. No, like the one you want to keep is like you give them all up to get Harden, but mm-hmm. Tyler Hero's not the sticking point for me if I'm Miami. Duncan Robinson is. Do you see what James Harden is doing with uh, Joe Harris? Yeah. Now imagine him doing that around. Imagine it's a Bam Harden pick and roll, and it's Duncan Robinson on the right wing, so, so that or on the left wing, so that the defense can't help. So James Harden can go downhill, hard left. He has Bam as an oop threat, and the defender can't overhelp or else it's three to the head from Duncan Robinson. Like, that's the one where it's, nah, man, can't be. But even then, I still would have gave Robinson, uh, Hero, um, Achua, Nunn, all of it. And mainly because once you're a championship team or you're looked at like that, the buyout market opens up. Why is Blake on the Nets? because he sees a potential championship team. So that's where he wants to go. So if Miami was that, and it's Miami, it's Miami. It's hot. It's sunny. The women are beautiful. And you're now on the buyout market. But I don't need to tell you that. We watched it. Veterans came when LeBron was there because it was a championship team. And then it gets to be warm and sunny year round. Yeah, shit in me. Yeah, and then going to Florida, no state taxes. So I get, you know, more bang for my buck, you know oh, what I'm saying, with the money that I'm assigned for. So, and that and that's kind of my biggest thing is, like you said, and you look at the buyout market right now, I feel like Miami should really be kicking themselves, you know what I'm saying, they should be kicking themselves in the ass for not getting James Harden right now because you look at, okay, if I would have traded all that for Harden, the depth I could have added with some of these guys that are going to be available for low prices or a buyout where I could just do veteran minimum. You still, you would have been more appealing to a guy like Andre Drummond if that's mm-hmm. where you wanted to go. You could reunite back with Hassan Whiteside. You know, uh, one guy I want to talk about, Boogie Cousins. You know, we're talking about all these players in the buyout market, the trade market. Boogie got released by Houston. He's out there. Why is he getting no love? Why is he not considered for any of these teams as a potential 
destination. Nobody's talking about boogie should go here, boogie should go there, they should snag boogie. Why is that? Um, I think Houston kicked them in the butt on the way out. Like the article that came out that said that he was mad about not playing ahead of Christian Wood, whether that's true or not, didn't do him any favors. Mm-hmm. Like he has a bad injury history. He's not the guy he used to be. And then like on the way out, Houston threw the, oh, and Boogie's still a cancer sign on him. Because like, it was one thing like when the Kings were like, nah, this dude is a cancer. Yeah, that might be his Zodiac sign because he's 28 and 13 a night. But he's no longer that. So for them to still be, yeah, he's not as good as he used to be. And he can be difficult in the locker room. They really jammed him up. Yeah, I think I I almost want to say like it's a media false narrative that Boogie is a cancer in the locker room, though. Now, I understand. I think he was in Sacramento. But you look at it as talented as he was. He was arguably the best center in the NBA at that time. Like you said, give you 28 and 13. Sacramento did him no favors, put no talent around him, wasn't letting a guy like him. You didn't get, unless you were a true basketball head like the both of us, you weren't watching Boogie on a consistent basis. He was like a hidden star because he was up there in Sacramento who's going to get no love in the state of California because it's really a Lakers state. And then you had Golden State over there up north. Then you had the Lakers. You even had the Clippers who were more relevant. And so they weren't putting any type of talent around the star that you could, at that point in time, you could have built around Boogie Cousins. Yes, you got upset. His situation to me in Sacramento was Kevin Garnett in Minnesota. Like, that's how I could, you look at it, Kevin Garnett was a star. He was unhappy because the organization wasn't doing him no favors, giving, putting any talent around him, putting him, in the best situation to win. I don't think Boogie could be the best player on a championship team at that point in time, but still it was, you got to surround me with some kind of talent. And I know it's tough to do being in Sacramento. It's not like a sexy destination for guys to go to, but you, you do your due diligence. And sometimes when stars see, at least you're trying, you're putting in the effort, you're, you're nailing the draft, which is always a big thing for teams like Sacramento. You got to nail the draft because you're not a big free agent destination. But even now, I think he could contribute. He just would have to be okay with his role. I think he could go to the Lakers and be a 15-minute, 20 minutes max a night guy for them. And the reason why LeBron loved Boogie. Like, everybody. And so did Davis. Right. When he was, and you've seen, before Boogie got hurt, when they played together in New Orleans, Anthony Davis, Rondo, and Boogie was going crazy. Like, they, they put the world on notice. I didn't think AD and Boogie would fit together as Boogie kind of clogged the paint a little bit. I thought he would for Anthony Davis, but that was when you seen major improvement in his outside game. And they were, they were a good one-two punch with obviously playoff Rondo. We know what he brought to the table. So it was like they fit together. AD and Boogie love each other. LeBron loved him. Everybody in the Lakers organization loved him. Even when they released him, it was only because his injury. You see, they got him a ring. You know, they gave him a ring after winning a championship because they had that kind of love for Boogie. Boogie was loved in Golden State, even though he didn't really get to play much in Golden State. Steph and them loved Boogie too. So what is the cancer to these guys who have no talent? The stars and the organizations that are winning, they love Boogie and had nothing to say. It just seems like he becomes a problem because he probably is just a sore loser in a sense. He's only been a problem in losing situations, you know. So, like you said, 
Houston kind of kicked them in the butt. Where would you like just th- where would you like to see Boogie before we move on? I just think teams that are don't have a lot of basketball talent. I, and I obviously relative, it's the NBA. Everybody has mm-hmm. basketball talent. Right. My big thing is that the Milwaukee Bucks don't have any like offensive punch and swagger. 15 minutes of boogie a game might be 12 points that they really need playoff time. Yeah, I I, I, I love, I actually would love that fit. I mean, you know, I'm all for adding any type of talent for LeBron just to secure him another championship, uh, raise his stakes in the GOAT argument, which at this point I feel like is such a dead argument. I don't even like arguing it anymore because you're either with, you think LeBron's the GOAT now, or you think Jordan, I don't think nothing LeBron could do will change or Jordan is the GOAT guy's mind. So, but I just would love, I'd I love to see LeBron win the championship. I think Boogie could help. I think Andre Drummond could help um, possibly. I wouldn't be surprised if they go hard. It seems like they're going to they're go hard on Andre Drummond or Hassan Whiteside. Obviously, nobody's going to trade for those guys because you look at it. If they're unhappy and you're going to release them from the situation, why do and, I give up an asset? Yeah, why am I giving up any draft pick, any asset when I know you're going to force – either he's going to force a buyout or you're just going to sit – Andre Drummond is a free agent after this year. He's only 27 years old, which is crazy to me because it seemed like Drummond been in the league for forever. Yeah. So for him to only be 27, and to me he's one of the most underrated big men that I've really ever seen. Not that I think he's one of the greatest big men – but for his production, he doesn't get a lot of love. He doesn't have a lot of all-star appearances. He's not talked about when you talk about big men. And I think because he's more of the old school, clean up the glass and get all his points in the paint. He doesn't stretch the floor. I think that's why, you know, you hear, you're going to hear more about Joel Embiid and Jokic and Anthony Davis and guys of that sense when we talk about big men because Andre Drummond is more of the old school guy. Ten years ago, Andre Drummond would be a star in the league. So what so moving on, PJ Tucker. He's been told that he will no longer play in Houston. They're gonna figure out whether they're gonna buy him out or trade him. Like I said, I think most of these guys are gonna get bought out because it's getting close to the time where, okay, if you've already announced and that's why I think teams mess up, is you announce that you're no longer gonna be with the team. Now teams are looking at these players like, okay, I'll just wait till he gets bought out. I'm not gonna give up any assets. PJ Tucker is a, is a he's a good he's, he's a good player. He's old. He's a good vet. He has some playoff experience. What's the best fit for PJ Tucker? I think if PJ Tucker was, I think if if the situations were the same, Blake hit the open market and PJ Tucker hit the open market at the same exact time, I think the Nets would have much rather had PJ Tucker. I said that. I literally said, because everybody talked about the Nets grabbing Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, his name holds more weight than his production on the basketball court yes. does. You know, like we said, 13 points, five rebounds in Detroit. And like you said, it could be just an unhappy situation. I'm in a losing situation. I don't give it my all. He could have some type of spark. I don't think we're going to see the Clippers, Blake Griffin, regardless of the that, fact. That Blake Griffin is dead. Right, so I, I definitely agree with that. I think we'll see a spark. I don't think he'll average any more than 13 points a game, but it's, it's you know, efficiency, 
is what will matter for Blake Griffin with the Nets. But I did say Blake Griffin was just the first player to hit, you know, the buyout market. And the Nets jumped on the first guy available because why sit here and wait and have to get in like a sales pitch for or Andre a Drummond? War. Yeah, a bidding war or, you know, most of these guys, once they get bought out, they'll go for the vet minimum. But like a sales pitch, we got to sell ourselves to Andre Drummond while you should be in Brooklyn instead of L.A. or Miami or Boston. So I think that's why they jumped on grabbing Blake Griffin because they knew his relationship. You know, they played in all-star games together, Team USA together. Blake Griffin has a good relationship with Kyrie Harden and Kevin Durant. And don't forget him and DeAndre Jordan are like best buddies. Yeah, and, and you know, you look at his kind of his fallout with the Clippers, it had nothing to do with DeAndre Jordan. I, from what we've been told, from what we've heard over the years, was it was kind of DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin kind of had some beef with Chris Paul. Blake Griffin definitely did because he felt like he was the guy, but Chris Paul was the face of the Clippers at the time, rightfully so. I think, you know, that team was nothing without Chris Paul, as good as – as effective as Blake Griffin was at the time, you have to look at the point guard that was getting him the ball, the point guard that was doing the pick and rolls with Blake Griffin, getting him the alley. So I understand. I think Blake Griffin ultimately, a lot of his success came off of having one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen play in Chris Paul. So to move on, we talked about some of the players. Uh, wait, so wait, can I just throw one thing ahead. in real quick before yeah, we go move ahead. on? This was not a buyout. It wound up being a trade. And if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers or the Milwaukee Bucks and maybe even the Clippers, I, I'm kicking myself in the head repeatedly every time Kevin Porter Jr. does something fly. That dude was for damn near free, and that is elite-level talent that you let Houston get for a second-round pick. And also, the Lakers should also be kicking themselves in the head because LeBron is getting older. You get Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Tyler Horton Tucker, and Anthony Davis. That is a very nice – and Kuzma. That's a very nice core to build around in the future. So any team, particularly Philly and the Bucks, because playmaking offensively is where they really need help. Mm-hmm. And this guy is, you see what Houston did with him. Yo, we love him, but we're going to send him to the G League real quick so we can get right. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back to the big boy team and he's ready to go. Philly, you have one guy who can create off the bounce. And guess what? He's a rookie, Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee, you guys have Chris Middleton and then you're stringing together Dante DiVincenzo minutes and Drew Holiday is... He's a point guard, but never really been interested in handling the ball a lot. This dude was basically free, and you let him get away for nothing. And I wish you guys nothing but bad luck for being that close-minded as a front office. Yeah, and, and, you know, before we move on, just to hit on your point, it's he made a bonehead mistake, you know, as a a young guy. But it's you got to – sometimes talent overtakes – some of the bonehead mistakes. And like you said, not only Lakers, for example, guys who make bonehead mistakes, guys who have bad pass, they get with LeBron and all that is forgiven. Exactly. And fixed. And, they, and LeBron, not only does he elevate you on the court 
and gets the best out of guys that you hit it on the head. He gets the best out of guys that talent was there, but maturity wasn't. He makes you more mature. You have to be. Because when you play alongside LeBron, you're on a different stage than you've probably ever been in your life. It's championship or bust when you play alongside LeBron. So you start, you see the, look at Kyle Kuzma. He wasn't a bonehead, but you see, he's gotten better each year. I will say that. I've never been high on Kuzma, but this year is like, okay. Most overrated player in the league. Overrated? Most overrated player in the league. I and he hasn't been I've, so much since. Yeah, like, I haven't been high on him. Like, with even the package, I felt like they should have kept B.I. And, and gave up Kuzma. And no I know way. with some of the trade packages, they were, you know, uh, it was like, oh, we, we have to keep Kuzma. Like, a lot of p potential trades with involving the Lakers was like, we're adamant on keeping Kuzma. Only thing, I love that B.I. went to New Orleans because I don't know with his playmaking ability and how he scores – and makes plays is with the ball in his hands. I just don't know if he fit the best he alongside of LeBron, LeBron James. Yeah, and so that I think his talent kind of his talent was there. Bi was balling, but I just I think Kuzma was a better fit because he's not a playmaker with the ball in his hands that Brandon Ingram is. He doesn't score the same way. So to move on, last topic: our biggest buyers and sellers. While we've been talking about the buyout market and the trade market, so I want to go to the biggest sellers. What teams do you think are looking to offload a lot of guys and basically be in a full-blown-out rebuild mode? I don't know if they're looking to do this, but, man, should the Hawks be looking to do this? Sell. Sell. It's You guys haven't put it together, and you. I guess it depends on John Collins. They have a big John Collins decision to make. Mm -hmm. If they are willing to match what any team offers John Collins and somebody's going to offer that dude a bag this summer. So if you, if I'm uh, Travis Schlenk, the Hawks GM, and I go, yo, no matter what, we're retaining John Collins, then maybe you don't sell. But if there is one number, one number in the world that the Hawks say, yo, if a team offers John Collins, a penny above this number we're not matching then they need to sell because if they don't sell somebody is going to offer that number he's and they're going to lose him for nothing yeah so i agree that's the decision that the hawks need to make yeah i agree as and especially when you talk about sellers you want to talk about potential if he was be, if he was to be open on the trade market if it's announced that they're looking they're in talks he'll probably be the biggest trade tradable player on the market. I think him or Chris Stapps, there's some reports that Chris Stapps could be available. I know Mark Cuban came on ESPN and kind of shut that rumor down. But at the same time, Mark Cuban isn't the guy. He doesn't – he likes to be – he's not Jerry Jones. He's not the Jerry Jones of the NBA yeah. where he loves to be in the camera. He loves uh, controversy with his team because it sells tickets. It makes him money. So even if he is, he likes his business to be behind closed doors. He's more of like a, you know, state of myself, do my business how I do it behind closed doors. When it comes to light, I will allow you to hear it. So I, I agree with John Collins. I know Miami has actually popped up um, as interested in John Collins if he does become available. Obviously, if he does become available, Miami won't be the only team. There will be multiple teams who, who would pay him an extension that possibly, like you said, the Hawks wouldn't match and would give up some assets for John Collins because they think he could take them, you know, 
to the next level. My biggest seller is, I guess it's a given because it's came out that that's what they're looking to do is the Houston Rockets. Um, they, I've heard that John Wall has been available for trade or he's been, they've made calls to Houston about John Wall and there's been some trade talks around John Wall. I know Victor Oladipo's name pops up. Obviously, P.J. Tucker's gone. You know, they got rid of James Harden. You know, the only player that seems like untouchable in Houston right now is Christian Wood. Granted, he's injured, but for what they signed him for and the production they got, Christian Wood is one of the biggest steals I've ever seen get a contract because the price that they got him in the production, he's worth at least $20 million a year, and he's not getting that. I think he's getting, what, about 12 or 13 a year based on the contract. So I think he's one of the biggest steals as far as the contract I've seen. Granted, you didn't see this. We didn't know this was coming from Christian Wood. I started seeing it um, before the shutdown in Detroit last year. Well, I'm, Christian Wood started That's because you watch real basketball. No, they didn't see it. The real the media that gets paid for it might not have seen it. Now, you got league pass. You saw it. You knew what time it was with Christian Wood. Yeah, I start, I start, like I said, before the shutdown, I started, Christian Wood was a name on my radar, like, yo, this man's coming out of nowhere. Well, Detroit was his fifth team in five years. You, didn't, you know, if you're not a true basketball, hey, you didn't even realize Christian Wood been in the league for five years. So now, you know, for him to get signed for what he did in the production before his injury, Christian Wood had a, you know, he had a chance to be in the conversation of being an all-star. He most improved player right along with Jeremy Grant. But I think Houston is going to be the biggest sellers. If it looks like, you know, they don't love John Wall for the future, obviously he's 31 years old, so they don't see building a team around John Wall. I think John Wall has a lot to give for a lot of teams out there in the NBA. He's clearly, he's back, he's healthy. He can, He's still a walking bucket. Some of his, athlete, his athleticism has dropped a little bit, but he's improved in other places. That's just what all-star caliber players do. So I would love to see John Wall get traded, be in a better situation. Miami. Yeah, I would. I and I would love to see him in Miami. All right, what do I you would, what do you give up for Wall? It's got to be centered around probably Dragic, just uh, to make the money happen. But then you have to give up some sort of asset. Yeah, I don't. I love Dragic, so I, I would give up Dragic for John Wall, like you said, because you might have to because of the money situation. I can't say I wouldn't give up Tyler Hero. Like you said, I think Jimmy, Bam, and then if I get a guy like John Wall who drives to the basket, can make plays, dish out, his effectiveness is getting to the hole, Duncan Robinson is untouchable. If I have him alongside a point guard like John Wall, I got to have a shooter, a true knockdown shooter. I'd probably give up Dragic, Tyler Hero, and possibly a pick, or if they want, none. I'd even consider giving up none. Because I just think John Wall is an upgrade from none. None is good. He's just not consistent. That's my so problem with none. My biggest thing for Wall and Harden in Miami has always been one thing and one thing only. Miami's conditioning. Like, we've seen John Wall get fat. Mm-hmm. We've seen James Harden get fat. So putting those two in a situation where like your body fat is tracked and you're expected to be in the best shape of your best shape of his life. James Harden is petrifying. You want to talk scary hours? That's scary hours. Damn. James Harden was dusting us off when he was shaped like the Michelin man. 
<laughs> now he's chiseled. Yeah, all right. Everything's dead. And all Pat Riley got to do is say, yeah, James, I know you love the clubs. I know you love the ladies. And you've been to Miami. It's going to be fun here regardless. But if you give me six months and win a championship, it's going to be a whole new world on those clubs when you walk in there as NBA champion James Harden on South Beach. So put the clubs in the tuck for six months for me, win a ring, and then have at it. Yeah. And listen, he would have ripped the world apart. Yeah, and that was my biggest thing. I think that would have been the toughest adjustment for Harden, you know, coming into Miami at first. Because, you know, going into the bubble, we seen Harden skinny. Like, it was like, you know, it was skinny Harden. And then, obviously, you know, after the season, he enjoyed his offseason, was riding around in Atlanta, Houston, Vegas, you know, with, with little baby. Vegas, <laughs> Vegas, yeah, he was hanging, you know, he was hanging with little baby and the whole 4PF, hanging with 42 Doug, and basically got fat. He was enjoying life, spending his money, his well-earned, well-deserved money, and just enjoying life. Obviously, like, it seemed like basketball was second. You know, he was in a stressful environment with the bubble. A lot of players came out after the bubble and just talked about how stressful it was. So they got out and, you know, enjoyed themselves in the little bit of offseason that they actually had this year. Harden gained his weight back. So I think that would have been the problem. The biggest adjustment would have been him getting into Miami Heat shape because, you know, that's different. That's almost the reason why they weren't able to, like, contain LeBron after his contract was up was Pat Riley wanted LeBron on that South Beach diet. He wanted him, you know, to train and keep his body a certain way. And LeBron was like, look, I spend $1.2 million on my body a year. I condition the way I condition. I'm the superstar here. And I think that's where they ultimately clashed. It wasn't a fallout per se. You know, I know LeBron loves it, loved his time in Miami. But I think it was just the terms of LeBron coming back and he also seen D-Wade wasn't the same D-Wade anymore. Then you look at what ended up happening to Chris Bosh. was very unfortunate. So it was really a better situation for LeBron to leave. But had LeBron stayed in Miami, it would have been no problem bringing any type of talent. Like you said, Miami sells itself. I could bring another star to Miami. If I have LeBron in Miami and I sell you, look, I bring you, you know, I buy you a flight to the 305 to <coughs> tell you what we have to offer. Obviously, everybody knows what it's like in Miami, so it wouldn't have been a hard sales pitch. So, last thing, biggest buyers. There's some teams who have championship aspirations that feel like they're one or two holes away from winning a championship. Obviously, everybody in the league sees that the Nets felt that way, even with their big three. They've been playing great, minus KD. You look at how Harden and Kyrie has fit together. And that was kind of the biggest question was how are they going to fit together with being two ball-dominant guards? They've made it work. They've played great. I think when Kyrie kind of let Harden play point guard and he played two, Kyrie's only a point guard because of his size. But he's, mm -hmm. he's a shooting guard with his play style. He's a playmaker, but he's more he'll give you four or five, you know, six assists a game. But Harden is the true – like he's practically a walking triple-double also. He's going to – and he took a step back in scoring to be a playmaker and allowed Kyrie to up his game in scoring. So it fit. They made it fit. They made it work. They seem like they're the best of friends now. So biggest buyers, you see Blake Griffin went to the Nets. They bought in on improving to win a championship. 
Who is going to be your biggest buyers in the trade and buyout market? It's got to be Philly. Like, Philly's got to find... <clears throat> Philly needs to just call Masai Ujiri and say, yo, what's up for Kyle Lowry? Like, let's call a spade a spade. They need... And you know who else needs to do the same thing? The Clippers. Kyle Lowry is a name that teams that need playmaking should be looking for. And no team with championship aspirations needs playmaking more than Philly and the Clippers. Like, they... Kyle Lowry's probably the best name on the market, but other people they should be targeting. Um, Philly should see what's going on with Victor Oladipo. Mm. Um, back to the Kevin Porter Jr. thing. He was a cheap playmaking asset. So I do think they missed on that, but there's Victor Oladipo and Kyle Lowry should be who the Clippers and Sixers are targeting because those guys are proven they're ball handlers and playmakers. They can create shots for themselves and others. Um, Laurie is a much better fit for both teams, but Oladipo could be very helpful in Philly. I don't know if he's great in with the Clippers, mm-hmm. but like Laurie's really good there because Kawhi's been begging for a playmaker, and Laurie is like the point guard that playmakes and does everything but he never does too much you never feel like damn that was a little bit too much Kyle Lowry today when we have a real superstar like he never got in Kawhi's way and then on top of that we've seen Lowry Umbaka and Lowry Abaka and Kawhi win together yeah I agree uh like I think he should be like you said I think the Clippers should be full-blown his name has kind of been linked to the Clippers kind of since the start of the season when it was kind of noted that they were looking at improving in the point guard position because to me Kawhi Leonard as great as he is he's not a playmaker he can get his own and he he will lock down anybody in the league he's arguably probably the best two-way basketball player in basketball right now Paul George isn't the greatest playmaker he can make plays for himself but he's not really a distributor like you said you need a Kyle Lowry and he fits what the Clippers do the Clippers play defense that's one thing they do do really well. And Kyle Lowry hustles. He's going to make plays, and he's a hustle player. He's a little bit older, obviously. You get him for cheap if you could trade for him. I don't think he'll cost that much. But I think he could ultimately get bought out. He's never said he's unhappy in Toronto. I just think he knows his time in Toronto is coming to an end. I think for me, the biggest buyers – Two of the biggest buyers, I agree with your two, so they they would be on my list. I think to add another two is the two teams that just played in the championship a few months ago. I think the Lakers and the Miami Heat, you know, the Heat are linked to a lot of these players, Lamarcus Aldridge, mm-hmm. John Wall, Victor Oladipo. So they're linked to guys. So they're looking at improving somewhere. The Heat always pop up when players become available. They were linked to Blake Griffin. You know, they had Blake Griffin on their radar. So it tells me they're looking at improving. And I think the Lakers, they're just – the only names they've really been linked to is Drummond or Whiteside. And I think that's the media linking the Lakers there because they feel like they need help in rim protection, especially with Anthony Davis's health right now. Being up in the air, he'll be evaluated in another two weeks. So I think they're linking Whiteside and Drummond. LeBron came out uh, last night and ended up saying, you know, I think we have enough – Health, AD comes back healthy. I think we have enough to win the championship. I don't think we need any more. 
But as a great GM, you never you can't be a great GM and not do your due diligence in improving your team regardless of what your star player says. And I think the Lakers will be looking at improving. But I don't think Drummond and Whiteside is the answer. I think the perfect there's two guys I think the Lakers should be looking at, and it's PJ Tucker or JJ Redick. JJ Redick has come up. They're a bad three-point shooting team. They're 25th in the league. They shoot like 32%, 33% as a team. So they're a bad three-point shooting team. They're the number one defense in the NBA. Even without Anthony Davis, they haven't taken a dip in their defensive efficiency. So I don't really think a rim protector is the answer. Now, granted, adding Andre Drummond would obviously be adding all-star, another all-star potential player. I just don't know. He can't stretch the floor, so I don't know how much he fits with LeBron, who LeBron thrives off of drive and dish. Anthony Davis fits so well with LeBron because he can shoot the ball, he can stretch the floor, and he can handle the ball himself. I think Drummond may end up clogging the paint. Now, I do love Whiteside because he'll give you 15, 20 minutes. He's a rebound machine, and he's a shot-blocking machine. I think that's what they need coming off the bench. And I think the biggest thing with center for them is because Mark Gasol isn't what they thought he was going to be for the Lakers. Obviously, Montrezl Harrell is an undersized big man. But I think they should look at, first and foremost, improving their three-point shooting. And I think where you do that at is a P.J. Tucker, who ultimately looks like he's going to get bought out, or a J.J. Redick, who's not going to cost you a lot. Probably will cost you, you know, a second-round pick. He's not going to cost you much. I even possibly think about giving up a late first-round pick as loaded as the draft is next year. The Lakers aren't looking at winning championships based on bringing in a rookie. Right now, they have LeBron James. Obviously, they have Anthony Davis for the long haul. They're in win-now mode, and I don't think they're going to get their hands on a rookie that's going to put them over the top next year. So I think giving up a first-round pick for J.J. Redick for the Lakers, which could be 29 or 30, isn't too much of an ask, you know, because, like I said, the value of a 29 or 30 pick isn't going to hold that much weight for the Lakers winning the championship. And I think J.J. Redick would fit perfect alongside of LeBron James. We've seen how Kyle Korger did. We've seen Ray Allen, Mike Miller. You know, we could go down the list of shooters that thrive while playing alongside LeBron James and Shane Battier. So those are my guys that I think they should have their eyes on. Do you agree? Son, you blew my mind with Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside is literally one of the guys we've talked about four or five times during this show. Hassan Whiteside can be a knucklehead, but there's so much talent there. Hassan Whiteside with LeBron scares the life out of me if I'm another team. Like, if they call, yo, we're interested in Hassan Whiteside, for the sake of the other 28 teams of the league that aren't the Lakers and Hassan Whiteside's team, I hang up just because I don't want him anywhere near LeBron because that's too scary for the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, and what you brought up, you it goes back to your point that you brought up earlier. And LeBron gets the best out of guys that, like you said, the talent is there, but the maturity level isn't. I mean, I remember when Hassan Whiteside had that great year in Miami. And, you know, me and my pops was talking, and his first thing was, imagine if Whiteside, this dude came out of nowhere, but imagine if he was there with LeBron when, when LeBron was in Miami. I, he's still that kind of scary player because his play style hasn't changed. He hasn't dipped in production, maybe a little bit in points. But other than that, he's a rebounding machine. He's a shot-blocking machine. The pick and roll with LeBron, 
would work well. Obviously, LeBron is going to get him the alleys that he needs. He's going to get him the right looks at the rim. My only concern is, like I said, Whiteside, he can't stretch the floor. But that won't matter because you don't need Whiteside to play 30 minutes a game. He's not going to be your guy always lined up alongside LeBron James. And I look at look at Dwight Howard. Look how mm-hmm. Dwight Howard thrived, made a name for himself again. Because up until then, even though you look at Dwight Howard's numbers, he had really good numbers, but his name held a little more weight than you thought his his spot on a team and his production, how it would improve a team. And you look at Dwight Howard, and he ended up getting that deal with Philly. And I think that's one of the players. Dwight Howard is, to me, the, the player they're missing the most from last year's team because what he could do. He could block shots. He could rebound. And he was good on the pick and roll, rolling to the basket, making people commit and open up, opening up those outside jump shots from KCP. Obviously, Rondo started hitting in the playoffs and in the finals from three. Kuzma was hitting a little bit. Obviously, Anthony Davis is going to give you about 37 38% from the three. I think Whiteside brings that same Dwight Howard effect. He's not as athletic, but it's not so much of a difference in Dwight Howard's athleticism now and Hassan Whiteside. So I think just to go and not go big name for a guy who could be unhappy, I think Whiteside, if I go big man, but like I said, I would be looking at J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick is a great one. Like The list of shooters who have had great times with LeBron, he would just fit right in line. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, that's that's where I would go is – that would be my main priority would be J.J. Redick. I love P.J. Tucker, especially he's a 3 and D guy. He's going to play defense. He's six foot seven. He gives you some size. So that's why I would love P.J. Tucker. But, you know, to close out, bro, I'm going to give you the floor. I appreciate your time. I appreciate, you know, this was great hoops conversation. But I'm going to give you the floor. Plug your podcast, your social media, any projects you want to let us know you got going on, bro. The floor is yours. I'm – on all social medias at Shaw's Law Podcast. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, follow me on Twitter. That's where I have the most fun. Check out the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel does a little bit of everything, uh, some nerd stuff. I do a lot of interviews there. And every now and again, I've put my pen to use as a writer for the playgrounder.com. But I only really write so that. Every time I publish an article, I can text my rapper friends and be like, yo, my pen is better than yours. That's the only reason I write. Like, I just want to hit my cousin who raps and be like, damn, son, I got the best pen in the family. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's dope. But like I said, bro, I appreciate you for giving me your time coming on. This was definitely a dope conversation. As for me, y'all know where to find me at Upper Flames Pod everywhere. Uh, I'm more active on my personal account, Mo underscore Cheese 15. Um, shout out to everybody at offthebunnetwork.com. Shout out to our newest sponsors, Manscaped and Ice Shaker. You know, we got some great things going on on the network. So stay tuned. We got, we're going to start covering, uh, starting tomorrow, uh, Selection Sunday. We're going to start covering the NCAA tournament as soon as Selection Sunday's over. We're going to go live and kind of break down the brackets. Talk about that. We'll, we'll be giving you content throughout the week, talking about the NCAA tournament. Obviously, the NBA is in the second half of the season, so there's a pickup in NBA content as we get closer to the playoffs and we get closer to the trade deadline and buyout market. You know, we'll have some breaking news there. But I appreciate everybody for listening, tuning in, like, share, comment, subscribe. Give me a five-star rating if you think I'm worthy of it. And on that note, Up the Flames pod is out.